Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, and I wanted to offer a little bit of context about this week's episode, which was recorded in the before times, as we're calling it now, months and months ago. Um, Timothy Hollingsworth came in to the studio and we got to sit together and talk. And I'd, I'd wanted to speak with him for a long time. I've been fascinated by his career. I had first uh, gotten to know about him when I read Andrew Friedman's really incredible book, Knives at Dawn, where uh, Tim was the uh, head of the Boku's Door team for the United States. And I you know, began to learn so much more about him and his work at, at French Laundry and his you know, commitment to his his craft and his passion. I have so many questions about the world of of fine dining, um, and you know, even more so uh, when I was approached uh, to have him as a guest. I was told that he spent a lot of time connecting with his mother, who has dementia, and cooking with her, and that really really spoke to me um, because I, I I know that situation or I knew that situation um, really well. You'll, you're, you'll hear us talk about it a lot in the podcast, but uh, some things have changed in all our lives since then. In particular, for me, I'm talking a lot about my mother in the present tense uh, during this and connection with, with food and just the, you know, the act of, of getting of sitting with somebody who maybe can't express themselves like they used to isn't always in control of their memory and their faculties might have a hard time swallowing or something and, and and still somehow being able to connect over a meal somehow and and you know Tim does that a lot with um his his family as you'll you'll hear in the podcast um since then I lost my mother to COVID-19 and um you know, I, I'm i still putting a lot of things together in my head about sort of how to express this, how to how to write about it, what our connection through food was, and, and I'll, I'll have a story coming out soon about that. But I, I still wanted to run this conversation. Um, life's, life feels a lot more fleeting and precious in some ways than it did before. Everything changed uh, so much. Those, those connections are absolutely vital. And I've been thinking a lot about all those times that I took for granted um, meals with friends and, uh, and and family and, and, and just being able to gather together over a meal together. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know when a lot of us will be able to do that. Um, I know so many of us have lost loved ones uh, during this and, and we won't be able to, to, to do that again uh, with them. And I really wanted to again still have this conversation because it's so important to focus in on those those moments of connection while you still have them um and i also wanted to still run this conversation because we talked a lot about restaurants he's got multiple restaurants um odium and uh cj boyd's and free play in in la and you know he's uh, just hearing him talk about that and how it, they've become a, a real family endeavor for him um has been so exciting you know everything is on hold in restaurants right now we don't know what is um what the future of restaurants is going to is going to be but i still think there's so much value in uh, visiting a conversation where we were talking about what actually goes into running one and his particular 
path towards um, opening these these restaurants because he had come from such a, a rarefied the rarefied air of the Thomas Keller. Uh, empire. And uh, we also in the podcast discuss uh, a certain amount about, you know, we're, we're both food professionals in our, our various ways and at, at times didn't necessarily feel comfortable in, in places like maybe this wasn't necessarily for us. And uh, if we feel that way, how do other diners feel? Um, so I just wanted to offer that as as context. Um, I think I got a little bit teary <laughs> during it. Um, but hey, if we can't express our emotions right now, when can we? So uh, here's Timothy Hollingsworth. Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to Communal Table, part of Food & Wine Pro. Okay, my guest here today, he was at French Laundry for a long damn time. He won Final Table on Netflix. <laughs> He's got Odium Restaurant. He has a slew of other places that we will talk about. He's got a line of chefware called Based. And uh, just, you know, I've, I've been, I've read about him for a long time before I met him because he was on the Boku's Door team and just somebody who, who whose rigor and intellect and passion I've been so interested in for a long time. Welcome, Tim Hollingsworth. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, Tim! It is. Oh, wait, are you Tim or Timothy? Actually, yeah, well, I don't care. Okay, because for ages, <laughs> it, Timothy Hollingsworth ends up, but then like all the emails were Tim. But it's so funny to meet a person who I've read so much about because I read Knives Before Dawn, <laughs> <laughs> which. Uh, could you please tell people about uh, uh, like Nights Before Dawn and the experience of doing the Boku Store and what the Boku Store is? Because that's intense. Yeah, I mean it's technically not, but it's pretty much the <laughs> yeah. Culinary Olympics. Yeah, so it's a you it's train. A, trained. Um, I actually got off a little easy because I, I did it. I basically was brought on very late mm -hmm. in the process, um, a lot later than a lot of other people. Um, so normally people spend about two years uh, <laughs> or longer yeah. training um, and definitely like a year solid of like cooking the, the food that they're mm -hmm. going to be doing. And I was, um, I found out in September of 2008 that I won the last day in September and then I competed in January. So it was a short that process a for me. Tiny yeah. But like, uh, I, I remember reading this book. It's by Andrew Friedman. Yeah. And it is, it is so intense and you, it uh, you were locked in an apartment doing this, like there was a whole apartment yeah. kitchen set yeah. up for for this. And could you explain to people, like, sort of what this is exactly this culinary competition? Because I find it so fascinating. I mean, it's like a throwback. I mean, you're like literally making you're making a fish and a meat. Um, I'm this this is the format when I when I competed. Yeah, it's very European. It, yes, fish and a meat, and then you have three different kind of garnishes but really they're complete dishes you parade it on a platter <laughs> no there are theatrics to yeah, this yeah <laughs> you parade it on a platter my platter like lit up i had like <laughs> these beautiful glass like hand-blown glass globes that like had smoke inside of it yeah it was pretty 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 intense but it's it's a difficult conversation competition it's five and a half hours long mm -hmm. um and you have to do the fish and then you have to do the meat and then when the fish goes up and gets paraded around comes back to you you have to plate it all and there's an audience screaming screaming <laughs> like uh, Switzerland has like cowbells. It's like like no joke. It's pretty loud. It's really loud. I've seen some of the live feed of it. I've watched this before, and to hear like different nations chants, <laughs> it really does feel like a sporting event. It's, it does. It's. I mean, how the I, I can't even imagine how you manage the physical exhaustion of that has to be so intense, but the the mental strength it must take to do this. Yeah, I mean, I like, when I was surprised, like I was surprised. I talked to Gavin after Gavin did it the the, the oh, time before me. Gavin, Gavin Kaysen, yeah. yeah. So Gavin Kaysen, 
um, who's now the president of Okusora Mentor. mentor. Um, yeah, so he's recently been promoted. He's awesome. He yeah. So he did it at the time before I did. It's a two-year competition. Um, happens every two years. And he um, basically lobbied to get um, Danielle involved and Thomas involved mm-hmm. and, like, Mr. Bakus, um, you know, got Thomas and Danielle involved as well. So all of them, and that was the first year that I competed. So I competed in 2009, and that's the first year that they kind of really took over the sort of American competition. Well, it showed up in the placement, too. Yeah. Because America had never placed anywhere near that before. No, that was the first time. So it was it was really cool. It was cool to be a part of it. I'm glad you know, there's been many amazing chefs, and now we've we've reached the gold. So it's like it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's 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 it was a fascinating book for. I mean, I feel like people who like sports would actually love this book. Yeah, I mean, cooking is a lot like sports. You know, it's like in the team and the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. The the hierarchy, how do you motivate people? It's very much likely to us like like a sports scene. It really, I've I've heard that Dave Barron was in here uh-huh. and he was saying about he had uh, all of a sudden was he I'm blanking on his sport what it was but it was it was probably very, hockey. Yes, yes, and that uh, that team mentality uh-huh. and uh, was 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 really such an important thing and the discipline of it too. But speaking of discipline, okay, so you're doing this competition, but that kind of precision is not new to you because you are at French Laundry. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about that. How about that whole arc? Because you were there for for 13 years, and you know, very arguably, truly one of the most precise kitchens in the United States of America, and in fact, it, it's one of those flagship kitchens where people sort of coming up and thinking i want to be a chef but they're looking to there everybody wants to stash there everybody wants to work there because of the the reputation and the training so let's talk about that yeah i mean i mean i spent a long time there obviously um with that comes like starting out as a young kid how old were you when you started there? i started i applied when i was 20 mm-hmm. maybe 19 even how much um, experience did you have at that point i i got a job as a dishwasher on my 18th birthday Wow. Happy birthday to me. (laughs) You're a dishwasher. You're you're a dish dog now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I moved away from construction. I did construction with my father and then uh, I got a job. I lived in Northern California. It was Mm -hmm. Placerville, you Mm -hmm. know, in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. Um, Yeah. So I lived up there and and I worked for um, a guy named Christian Moss and he was from south of France, from Valence, where Mm -hmm. uh, Anne Sophie Peake is. Uh, I think he actually worked for Jacques Peake, which is her father, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was working at Fraternity was amazing. It was, it was a lot of work when I got there and like even applying there, I was probably like really young and naive and like, you know, being like, okay, I can belong here. And then I get in there and be like, oh my God, what is this? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you hear that reaction from people. Cause they, you know, you, you get the job and yeah. then you show up and you're bottom of the ladder yeah. as a, as a dishwasher and dishwasher there what does dishwasher at French Laundry mean? What so I got a job as a dishwasher when I was 18 at another restaurant. That mm-hmm. was fr- my first okay. restaurant job. So I got a job as a commie or prep cook mm-hmm. um, at the French Laundry. That was my first position. Um, what does that mean? That means you do all of the grunt work. <laughs> 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 Every so, bit of it. <laughs> so let's talk through what that means for typical service at French Laundry. Yeah, I mean, you get there, you know, your clock in time is basically 5.30, which means you arrived at 4.30, mm-hmm. um, and you're pretty much done at 5.30. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, you know, kind of back in the day where you, um, you worked longer hours um, and things were different in the kitchen, but, um, you know, you'd work at, you're supposed to finish at 5.30, sometimes you finish at 7.30, so it was like long days, mm-hmm. um, but it was, 
it was long days because you, you wanted it to be long days. You know, like I would stay. I remember I would stay and I would I would I would work, do my shift, do everything I was supposed to do, and then like stay and like help the guy that was like running behind. Mm-hmm. And it was only I wanted to learn. I wanted to you know I needed I needed to progress faster. Mm-hmm. I needed to I needed to have more underneath my belt. So. What was the thing that was driving you in that? Because you said you needed to. What is the what is the need thing there? Um, I don't know. You know, I think the the fear of failure. Maybe mm-hmm. you know. I think I think wanting to be successful, wanting wanting to be you know wanting wanting to fit in, wanting mm-hmm. to um, having having goals. Um, but my goals weren't like really like strong set goals. You know, they mm-hmm. were more they were more just not wanting not wanting things like not wanting to fail not yeah. wanting to be not you know like those kind of things and is it pressure from you do you feel uh, so you're I'm, I'm just so fascinated by this kitchen because i have read so much about it whose eyes are on you is it the person ahead of you is thomas keller ever looking in your direction when you're doing that does he does he know who uh, uh, say akami is at this point like does he look and be like oh knows your name I mean, he expedited every single service I worked pretty much. That's I mean, incredible. like for years. I mean, and, I mean, at the beginning, mm-hmm. literally every single service he was there. Yeah. Um, that was before per se. Mm-hmm. So French Laundry was really his only thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he was he was on the pass. He was on the pass every single day. He was he was intense. He was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very like he motivated but he's i mean literally one of the hardest working people i've ever met i mm-hmm. mean he li- he was there every single day. i mean we would finish service and he'd be like tim what fish do we have in the walk-in and i'd be like mm-hmm. well we have salmon we have striped bass we have the, you know he'd be like bring me all the striped bass okay bring it to <laughs> <laughs> well, bring me all the salmon and he literally after service after he expedited the line and he might if it was a weekend he might have expedited lunch as well then expedited dinner mm-hmm. and then broke down a fish after service it's like that's I mean, I mean and that, that's I mean that and that is a hell of an education in culinary and that is somebody who you're thinking because in so many other professions the goal is to get to a certain point where you don't have to be there all, <laughs> of, all of that time you're trying you're trying to make yourself uh, where you just don't have to be there what's the word uh, it's the end of the week yeah yeah <laughs> and, and and you're trying to uh, obsolete sorry obsolete, you're, tr- yeah. you're trying to make yourself yeah uh, and but instead if you're there and is that because I mean that place is obviously like, so tied to him. It's his name is his reputation, or, or coming from a place of like just this is what I do, this is who I am. I don't know what air I'm breathing if it's not kitchen air. I mean, I think it's a philosophy thing. I think mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's the idea of like I want to be better. I want to mm-hmm. constantly be better. I want to surround myself with people that are better than me. Like it, it was a very encouraging kitchen to be around. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, some people didn't fit into that environment. Yeah. the culture was extremely strong there. Let's talk about what is. that is, like what, what that, that culture thing is there. So, you know, is is it a thing where it's you weed out people who – so when you say fit in and fit and stuff, does that mean uh, how you act, what you do? Everything, how you dress. I mean, your black shoes, black socks, black pants. Like mm-hmm. it's it's from how you dress to how you look. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, I have a beard now. I never had a beard there. Yeah. You know, I worked there for 13 years. I never literally never had facial hair. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Because so that that's it's such an interesting thing because it's it, militant. Yes. Yeah. That is that is definitely a thing because when I think of it, you know, I still have never been. It's it's weird. I hold it in my head as a place where my dad has uh, always my, uh, you know, he he loves food and he loves these things and he's read about French laundry for such a long time and he's like always, you know, I want to go and right now we will 
get to this later in the conversation. Um, he can't really leave my mother right now yeah. too because she's she's not in a place where that can happen. And my sister and I, you know, sort of have long thought like, well, we want to take him to French Laundry finally at, at some point when yeah. that is a thing. But it's one of those things where even for people who do not not regular restaurant goers, they don't live in a city where that is a thing. It's one of those bucket list kind of places. It is. So that's got to add some to that pressure of it, too, because I'm sure there are people who can afford to eat there all the time. And then there's people who this is the one time is, yeah. in their entire life yeah. that they're going to. I mean, I remember it was 10 years after working there that my parents finally came in. Oh, my goodness. So I was a, I was a chef at that point. But, it yeah. w- you know, it was it was amazing to have my parents like. I mean, you miss a lot of things, right? Like, it's a huge commitment in life. You miss birthdays, you miss, like, holidays. Like, Mm -hmm. and not because it's, like, you know, because, I mean, you're working hard. You want to learn. You want to progress. It's not like it wasn't, um, I mean, it was, I guess, technically required in the sense that we were open. Mm -hmm. Uh, The restaurant was open, but it was, you know, it was a a huge commitment. So to be able to have my family finally come and, like, enjoy it um, and see, like, you know, what I was doing was, was incredible. What had been the thing that was keeping them from coming before? I mean, I think it's just an intimidating place, not yeah. uh, not really, and also not really understanding. I, yeah. I my, my dad, I mean, my, my dad's blue, blue collar, like construction. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother works with them doing construction. Both both me and my other brother worked when we were kids um, mm-hmm. with my father as well. And I remember it wasn't until he came and watched me practice for the Boku store. So that means at that point I had been cooking for a decade mm-hmm. um and he came and he watched me practice and that was like the moment where i was like oh wow like like my dad finally understands what i'm doing and yeah. finally respects what i'm doing wow. because before it was yeah. like oh you're like you're in the kitchen like your mom cooks you know yeah yeah i mean because it is cooking at that kind of level is a, it is a physical act it is a sport it's it's a that kind of thing and i I'm so interested in this and i talk with this uh, about this with people all the time you know i'm a person i work at food and wine i'm a senior editor at food and wine and i still will sometimes walk into a place and have that moment of tension of nervousness mm-hmm. they're gonna know i'm riffraff <laughs> you know? they're gonna know that i don't belong here i'm a you know kid from kentucky you know yeah. they're you know goth girl from kentucky <laughs> they're, they're gonna know that i don't belong here they're gonna know that i'm gonna screw up a word on the wine list or something like that and i feel intimidated um sometimes that you know now I'm much better about it, but still, like, when I come in with friends to some of these places, it breaks my heart to see when they are nervous, if yeah. they feel like this isn't a place for me, yeah. this doesn't, be- you know, and you see the kitchens, and or not the kitchen, but, like, the front of house that makes you feel like, no, this is for everyone, and they yeah. have that that ESP, yeah. that kind of thing, where they can they can sniff it and see what yeah. kind of night you, you want to have. Yeah. And that's they make it, you feel so comfortable. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, there's people in my tenure there, and it, but it's it's so true. It's like those they did such an amazing job. I mean, French Laundry is like one of the places, the bucket list place. It's like maybe you're going to go there one time yeah. in your life, kind of restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of people. So like those people that come in are spending more money than they ever would on a meal, yes. and you know, and you know, don't belong there. You yeah. know. To a, to a certain extent, like or feel like you know, feel yeah. like they don't belong there. But ultimately, that's what hospitality is. It's like when you receive that guest and you like really make them feel welcome. Yeah. I mean, um, 
I mean, Larry Nadeau was, he's, he was there my whole tenure before and mm-hmm. after. Um, and he was, he's one of the guys that I, I constantly quote and, and inspired by because he just, he has that ability. He has that ability to be able to take you and take you on that journey and make you feel like you do belong here. This mm-hmm. is all about you right now. It is such a skill to have. And I have to say, I've never really so much talked about this before. Um, I went to Per Se uh, once, and um, it affected me really emotionally. Kind of, I was depressed for a week after because I didn't feel like I belonged somehow, uh, like all the other. And I I was sort of trying to break that down. Like, is this about me? Is this about them? Like, what is this thing? Mm -hmm. We were a table of four women, and I was sort of trying to piece it out because, like, I know the skill that goes in there. I know all of this kind of stuff. And it was because I, I was trying to figure out how much I brought to the table of this. And I realized where it broke down was the wine list discussion uh-huh. where I, for some reason, the person who was working that night, I didn't know how to, I don't know. We were having a hard time opening up the conversation because it comes to money sure. at that point. And finally, like, how much do you want to spend on, exactly. on wine? And, and I, <laughs> What's and I, your budget? <laughs> yeah. And I sort of got the sense that because we were not spending nearly probably as much as other places, places three of us like were food writers and one person wasn't a food writer but she uh you know was the person who went out to restaurants Uh all the time and stuff like that but i will also and i don't know if this is a factor or not or whatever but a woman of color and so we were sort of like looking around and we were saying like very (laughs) there are a lot of uncles quote unquote like out with their daughters (laughs) and uh, (laughs) a certain amount of that or people who were doing like really intense wine service and Uh we knew that we couldn't do that i also was and again like i brought bring stuff to the table i also knew this was the most to date by six dollars that i'd ever spent on a meal (laughs) i'd I'd been to alinea like uh, actually a few weeks before that and had had the best meal of my entire life this crazy emotional thing where they were doing this uh like again like emotional magic yeah where they were trying to figure it out and the psalm was this guy who somebody listening to this will know exactly who i'm talking about with big crazy einstein hair uh-huh. and he just uh one he, he his uh his radar for the experience we wanted to have was so intense because i saw him at some tables where it was very serious and it was very whatever and he saw us and he could tell we wanted to just like have mm-hmm. fun and stuff and it like matched it accordingly so i went into it with that and i was thinking we're going to per se i'd built it up so much in my head and it was six dollars more than i ever <laughs> <laughs> for reason that was fit right in there and i left feeling sort of like I think I was looking at other tables thinking, are they getting better service? Are they, do, you know, whatever, you know, and now I don't look at other tables. I don't give a shit. Like <laughs> I was, I was a younger diner too, but I, I felt like I was so acute of the fact that I should be having the time of my life. And there's something here that's not letting me do that. Yeah. I haven't heard that about French laundry. Yeah. I, I f- mean, I think, I really think it comes down to the person. That's why I like hiring mm-hmm. staff and the training mm-hmm. of them and stuff like that is really, really important. But ultimately, that that one person makes it like the food wasn't any different yeah you know what i mean it's like it's it's the same as every other table um you know or maybe a little bit more attention or whatever but like at the at the end of the day like that person delivering it the, the messenger the 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 ambassador yeah. for the for the cuisine is really is really the person that that can set that experience apart yeah that's their job i mean yeah and i think having that radar of being able to tell if somebody is nervous about this thing or, or not yeah. and um one of my dearest friends in the world uh, uh john winterman was maitre d at danielle for uh-huh. a long time and he has that thing and he would always he he would always tell me about like he uh would seat somebody who he he knew that they had scraped together all of yeah. their money and this was the only time they were going to do it and yeah. they 
and he would sit them next to Mick Jagger because yeah. <laughs> he was like, this is this is my VIP yeah. for the night. Let's yeah. figure out like who that person is who's not spending all that much. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they, they're not going to opt for the crazy one parent or they sure. might because it's the one time they know yeah. they're going to be there. And and that kind of thing. They were not shuttled off to Siberia. You can tell when you've been shuttled off to Siberia. Yes, you can. And again, like I'm I'm at a point in my dining or whatever where like I really do not give a <laughs> shit. Like <laughs> like it, it's it's it does not occur to me. It's just, you know, it, when I was younger, I, I, I've never cared about getting the best table or whatever, but like you can tell when, you know, s- something's kind of off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an awesome philosophy. I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, you sit next to Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger. I mean, I remember in a restaurant in Hawaii, I sat next to Elton John. I was like, Whoa. oh my God, this is pretty amazing. <laughs> it's Elton John. It was, I mean, I, I would always ask John about like that, that, uh, you know, Danielle, like, you know, who do you have in tonight? Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. Thing. And, and it's such a thing, but like, and I was so, he's so good at service because he, he never forgets that he's from Indiana. He's yeah. a kid from Indiana mm-hmm. and he is, has that that acute thing about you know sensing with, with people and yeah. i think that's such a special thing to have it's an art yeah, it really but, is but in the kitchen when you're there every plate's got to be the same whether they're what what, is, what was your vip term there um there were it was vip i mean it was no px or like any of that no i mean it was we literally said vip uh-huh. i'm trying to think yeah is there v- like extra extra something or yeah super vip <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean, but that's i mean you have so you have this incredible foundation of of all of this stuff and how are do you have an, a life while you're doing this no i mean you lived <laughs> and breathed like what yeah. you did i mean like even i we would close so the French Laundry would close in the summer for, or in the winter for two weeks, and the summer for a week. Per se, did the opposite: a yeah. winter, winter a week, and uh, mm-hmm. summer two weeks. Um, but we would, I would go and travel. I would go to, I would go to France, and I would go to work. So yeah. I would go to England, and I'd go work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my opportunity to see other kitchens, to see like yeah. parts of the world. I love that because I mean, I'm a person who. I don't know what to do if I'm not working. I mm-hmm. can turn anything into work. <laughs> you know, I I travel and it turns into work. And, you know, my husband is like, please, can this maybe not be a work thing? I'm like, but my work is fun and yeah. it's restaurants and, yeah. you know, I can't not. I'm trying to be better about that. But I think it's like, for me, I'm the same way. But, yeah. <laughs> but for me, it's like, it's it's not work. It's what I enjoy doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I enjoy going to restaurants. And, and yes, sometimes it's like, sometimes it's work. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you go and you plan a trip and you like every, you know, the whole trip is not around museums or the culture. Yeah. It's, oh, well, it is the culture, but it's like the food culture mm-hmm. of that place. I mean, it's like, is that work? Yeah, sure. It's work. <laughs> it's technically work. But ultimately, you know, it's, it's what I want to do. You yeah. know, I love doing it. It, it is really great. Like with my husband and the, like our breakdown is like he loves architecture uh-huh. and I love food. I mean, and we both, you know, love that, but we sort of structure it all <laughs> around there. So it's it's actually really a lovely and I'm sort of reflective about this uh, right now because uh, it's uh, yesterday was our the 15th anniversary of our first date. So I like awesome. I, I thank you. I'm very excited. Like we're, we're going to Blue Hill Stone Barns tonight and like and it's. You know, it's just a. That's one of my point. favorite meals recently. Oh it's my a really, really special place. God, it really, truly is. Yeah. Like, and and they they are they're a kitchen that it sort of feels like that must be akin because you're so in tune with the seasons yeah. in such a in such an incredible way. I mean, what you you know did at French Laundry and that you have like moved forward with as well is that that just being on a rhythm with nature in mm-hmm. that very particular kind of way, having the, you know, the garden right out back, having yeah. the farm like right there. So if, what year did you start there? 2001. Okay. So you're really, you know, California is 
light years ahead of the rest of the country in this, you know, in a very like, you know, Alice Waters, Thomas yeah. Keller and, all, you know, uh, all, Jeremiah, you know, Tower, yeah. like, you know, all, all, all of this, this kind of way where you're so in sync with nature in a particular way. Is that something that you had thought about before you got there? No, not really. Um, I mean, I grew up eating, you know, humble beginnings, eating. My mom cooked, you know, really every meal for us. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a stay-at-home mom. We have five yeah. kids in our family. And uh, so, you know, food was a very big part of our life, yeah. um, but not from a ceremonial type yeah. experience. Just like, you know, it just it just was. It Get was, everybody fed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she cooked, she baked, she packed my school lunch until yeah. I was – you know, until I graduated high school, literally, like That's every single lovely. day, she would give me a wow. lunch. <laughs> and I'd trade the homemade cookies for like Oreos or whatever. <laughs> oh my god! I have to say, the uh, the the Thomas Keller Oreos are the best the cookie <laughs> in the world. Oh god, they're so good. I, we uh, would I I worked at CNN for a long time, and there was a Bouchon there, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, my colleague Sarah Latrine and I would call it. Um, Bouchame, because we were like, are you going to Bouchame again today? <laughs> like, we were like, are you going to go and buy the like expensive and perfect sandwich today? Yeah. Are you going to get the TKO? Yeah. I have to. <laughs> that? There's a, there, oh God, I bought dog treats there too. <laughs> it's just so good. But yeah, those, those Oreos. Did you ever, uh, I mean, I don't know how much uh, like pastry and savory ever intersect there, but did you ever uh, have insight into making those cookies? No, I mean <laughs> no, because I was done at the bakery. But I, yeah. I did work pastry at the French Laundry. I pretty did much, you? yeah, pretty much worked every position. I mean, wow. for a time, and they were short in pastry. I was a sous, sous chef at that point, and and uh, so I went over and I helped in pastry. Wow. It was more I worked service more than yeah. production. Yeah. Um, but you know, I did do some production. I learned how to do chocolates. I learned how to do, oh. which is like not easy. And it's a lot of lot of lot of things that go into it. It's um, tempering and all that kind of stuff. But and at my first position, you know, I, I learned to make pastries as well. So I did like fruit tarts, got to Saint Honoré, lemon tarts, um, success, like all 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 the different types of like French pastries. That okay. That is unusual and wonderful because like I love chef desserts where it's like a savory chef. They think dessert on the menu or something yeah. like that i inevitably love them <laughs> i mean i all hail the pastry chefs yes. because like that is such intense craft mm -hmm. and i feel like restaurants are are skimping on pastry chefs like that sort mm -hmm. of a trend like who's going to go first oh pastry department yeah. and that breaks my heart because holy crap are there some intensely talented pastry chefs out there there are there really are and it's like it's not that's not an easy position. That's no. like that's all about like that's the exact opposite of like what I do. I mean, that's like measuring every single oh, you know, I'm it, like it's chemistry. I'm like, I like cook by feel. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, but yeah, that's that's the thing. Like so what kind of cook had you been before you got there? I mean, I was I was I was the best in the you know, my hometown, like right. cooking like the, the yeah. highest restaurant I was I was and it really wasn't about my ability to cook more yeah. just like sort of worth ethic that my, my dad instilled in me. So mm -hmm. I would work long hours, I would try to be I was competitive, I played sports, so mm -hmm. I like tried to be better than the next person, right. you know. Um I was probably the I like goofed off a lot too, so I would be <laughs> I was the guy that was kinda of making jokes and, 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 and running around with people. But it was you know, it was I don't know, I was I was I was constantly reading and trying to learn. I remember mm -hmm. that. I remember, you know, I'd wake up and I was just so inspired. I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was mm -hmm. thinking about going to the Marines. Mm -hmm. um, and then ultimately, like, I... I think I you kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Um, but I was like, okay, well, you know, I think cooking is going to be for me. So I was like, okay, what, what does that mean? So that means, you know, I need to, I need to study. I need to be, I need to be better. Like, what do I do? I woke up in the morning. I write cookbooks. I went to work on my break. Mm-hmm. I write cookbooks at home. I write cookbooks before I went to bed. I just like dove right in. I, I don't know when you're, in, when you're, when you really like love what you do. Yeah. It's like it just I don't know, embodies you. So cookbooks, got it. What are some of these books that that you have? Do you have like Fernand Point? Do you have like what what yeah. what is your canon there that you're reading when you're you're in your twenties, your teens, your twenties, or whatever? What what are, what were the fundamentals that you you had? I mean, I was reading. So I I trained underneath a pretty classically trained uh, French chef. Mm-hmm. So you know, I was reading like Escoffier. Yeah. I was reading uh, Le Repertoire de la Cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like studied French in community college mm-hmm. in order to be able to read the books because the books he had was in French. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, so I would, you know, Michel Brun there. <laughs> <laughs> but Thomas Keller, you know, I think the French Laundry Cookbook mm-hmm. was one of the first books that I ever bought, and that was yeah. like, that's like the Bible. It's like you oh, know, reading reading that book. Was hell just, yeah. yeah. That is a that is a foundational yeah. cookbook. Great Chefs of France. I don't know if you've ever seen that book. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that, that book is like that's probably one of my favorite. You know, 1978 about yeah. all the three Michelin star restaurants. God, I, I could nerd out forever <laughs> about, <laughs> uh, about, about these these cookbooks. It's been really interesting, too, to see, like, what's coming back into print now, too. Like, mm-hmm. Claudia Fleming's yeah. book, Coming Back Into Print, is is such a glorious, glorious It thing. should. It's so... <laughs> and, and, like, every pastry chef I talk to, like, that mm-hmm. was their Bible. There are some of these books where I buy used copies of, of things or, yeah. you know, I, or I've been lucky enough to stumble over yeah. an old uh, copy of it. So so you're there, you're, you're getting these books and you're, you're training and, and, and doing all of these kind of things. And, you know, you finally make it mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're moving up and up and up to uh, French Laundry. Does it ever occur to you, wh- at what point does it start to occur to you, like, maybe there's a life beyond this particular place? I mean, I, I mean, I gave, when I started there, I gave myself a year and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, okay, a year and a half, I'm going to go, I'll go work for somebody else, I'll go work, you know, like, I'll move on. Um, but I just kind of like kept extending my time, extending right. my time. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it's it really is like an amazing place to work, and the, the mm-hmm. tools that you have, your your ability to be successful there. I mean, yeah. if you if you it's a culture, so you have to fit in too. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some talented people that didn't didn't necessarily fit into that environment as yeah. well that have moved on. But but ultimately, that that environment really suited me. Yeah, yeah, and. So when it's it's time to uh, leave there, did you know what was coming next? I mean, I'm sure you had a gazillion offers on the table and also a lot of eyeballs on you. Mm-hmm. What's he doing next? I know I was watching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what does that feel and look like? Do you give yourself some time? I give you? myself time. I took a couple years off probably. Um, I don't know the exact timeline, but I left... I left, and and that conversation with with Thomas was probably a year conversation. Yeah. You know, it was like yes. I gave, you know, it, he's a mentor. You know, like oh, yeah. chef, what do I do? What's what are like? What are mm-hmm. the opportunities? Like talking talking through it. So, um, you know, I wanted to go to I wanted to go to either San Francisco, New York, or mm-hmm. or L A. Um, and L A. just seemed to kind of fit. It was the right yeah. time for me to go there. Uh, right time in sort of food, but but ultimately. I went down there. I didn't have a job. Yeah. I just like kind of left and and decompressed. I consulted. I consulted in yeah. Lebanon, Korea, and a little bit in yeah. Los Angeles. And um, when you're like, 
when you're in that environment, you don't necessarily have the time to think about what you want necessarily. No, because you're part of an organism or yeah. a machine or something like that. And you have to go in there, click into the Borg yeah. and, uh, you know, and not think or, or want. You can't want so much. Yeah. I mean, Thomas, Thomas is, you know, arguably one of the most successful chefs mm -hmm. that has ever lived. Mm -hmm. And he's he's really like very successful right but that doesn't mean that that's the path that i want to take absolutely that doesn't mean that that's success to me yeah. you know so i had to really think about like what what would make me want to be you know what did i want in life well you know i wanted i knew i wanted a family mm -hmm. you know i knew i wanted kids you yeah. know so like how do i did you how do i balance by that point when i moved to la is um actually probably maybe eight months before i moved to la i met my now wife yeah um who we were dating at the time and like kind she of in the industry she's not in the industry at all oh I mean, well, see now, now 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 she kind of is because she's like yeah my you, right get hand, to, <laughs> you, you get conscripted yes. <laughs> into it but it's dating is so hard in restaurants because those hours are batshit and you need to have somebody who is going to understand the fact that like you can't go to that family event yeah. you can't do that or you tell yourself that you can't go to that that funeral yeah you, you tell yourself that and what are you somebody. doing for new years i'm working <laughs> yeah. yeah do you do you feel like then you know, meeting your wife it was that because you had already you said the conversation took a long time was that sort of a crack of light in the door like hey maybe i want to maybe there's another route for me yeah i mean i i you know i talked to him like i was like look i've i stood behind the stove i ran one of the best restaurants mm -hmm. in, in in the country and i you know, I, I worked really hard, but ultimately I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't yeah. want to, it's not that I didn't want to have a restaurant. It's not that I didn't want to cook. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to be so committed yeah. to doing that because I, I had done that and I wanted, I wanted more balance in life. You know, that balance was yeah. something that was a deliberate goal in my life to be like, okay, I, I, I love what I do, yeah. but there's more to life than what I'm doing. So then you have an opportunity to start from scratch, build a team. Yeah. So what did that look like to you? And, and it was tough. You know, you, you work so hard with so many talented people and then you sort of decompress and you lose track of a lot of those right. people. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, two years later, you're going to open a restaurant and you're like, okay, well, mm -hmm. I don't know any of the purveyors in LA. I don't, have, <laughs> right. I don't have a lot of the contacts I used to have, like right. all that kind of thing. So it was, it was really difficult. You know, I was lucky to have a few people that I worked with in mm -hmm. the past that, um, that helped me through that process and, and, and mm -hmm. joined the team. So, um, it's, I mean, without those, I mean, without a team, you can't do anything, right? Like, like Avengers Assemble. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you figure out, like, okay, so who is, you know, who's going to be my Hulk? Who's going to be my Iron um, Man? Yeah. Gonna, sorry, I think I think about Marvel a lot. So <laughs> I apologize for, for that. Um, but then also, I, you know, obviously you knew a lot about the, you know, the front of the house, the service staff at French Laundry. So then... But then you have an opportunity for that at the new place. So was that your responsibility, hiring for for front of house as well, or getting somebody? In I the mean, place? I did every design, everything, every, every <laughs> single thing, which which was actually really cool because you know I'm a I'm a creative person, yeah. um, artistic person, you know, developing dishes and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and develop, developing service. But like I've always done it in somebody else's format, right? Yeah. So to have the opportunity to be able to do it and be like, okay, well. Now it's my format. What is that format? Right? Ooh. Like that's a tough question to ask yeah. yourself. 
you know, you've experienced a lot of different things. Like what is, what is, you ask yourself, what is a restaurant? Well, a mm-hmm. restaurant needs to be part of the community, right? Yeah. Like it needs to, it well, needs not to everybody s- would say right on that. And some people are like, screw that. We'll just have the like, you know, people come in. And yeah. I don't know. But for me, that's what it was, right? Like, yeah. the, the, like I wanted, I wanted, I wanted my, my kids to run around mm-hmm. a restaurant. Like I, the first restaurant that I worked out, the, the family lived in the back and like, wow. you know, the kids would come home from school and I would yeah. be making them like, like filet with like hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love restaurant kids. I have to say, like all, all the, you know, all my friends who have restaurants and have kids. Those are, those kids are the best eaters in yeah. the world. They're so adventurous. I remember mm-hmm. taking my friends' kids to like Michelin starred place, and and they're like ordering you know the most adventurous stuff on the menu, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was such a cool thing, and they were so well behaved. And then we got to the point in the evening where they just I remember the little girl like putting her head on the table and going to sleep. I'm like, that is the best option. That is really yeah. great. Because she wasn't going to like cause a fuss. She was just going to like, and I'm done now. (laughs) And that was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you go to Odium, like my my family's close, like they'll, they'll, they'll be there and they'll be running around and in a restaurant. And I love that. I think it's, I think that helps create the culture of the restaurant, you know, help creates the environment, helps to create the, the, the the family sort of environment and the team environment. We we work hard in restaurants, you know, it's like, it's long hours. It's, it's, um, it's a very passionate industry. You're, Mm -hmm. you know, you're putting a lot into it. So to be able to, you know, the kids are life. Like, you know, you like to see your little kid running around and like, like people feel that it's, 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 I think it adds to the restaurant. So you said you wanted to have kids and you have a bunch now. (laughs) How many do you have? How how old are they? I have three kids. Mm -hmm. I have two girls and a boy. Um, my eldest daughter is four. Mm -hmm. My son is two. Uh, he'll be three in March. And then I have a new baby, um, river who's just born 10 weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's they're gonna eat so well. They're gonna be so, like. Do you have a notion like in your fantasy? I know you probably don't want to force kids into a particular career or whatever, but like, do you picture them running the restaurant someday? I have to show you a video after we're done with this conversation, (laughs) but I just posted on my Instagram. Um, but my wife took it while I was in while I was here, and we we went to um Lyon this mm-hmm. past year for Book Store uh, in 2019 and and uh, it's my first time back since competing Whoa. but we went to Trois restaurant uh, which <gasps> oh is amazing really really incredible yeah. and you know Cesar and, and Michelle gave us uh, basically like hats and aprons and whatever and so oh. yesterday she sent me a video and they're like playing in their little like toy kitchen and like picking up like one's like making eggs and the other one's like making like making um, cupcakes and it's like I'm like what like this is like crazy like, and they're like moving around like they're chefs like <laughs> So lovely. Yeah. Oh my god, that's such a really, really cool thing. And like props to your wife, too. Yes. <laughs> like that's a that's a lot of kids to have. And yeah. Like that wow, that's really incredible. And but um speaking of family, uh you and I have uh, you know some some similarities here mm-hmm. that we've got both got um mothers with degenerative yeah. uh illnesses and um that's a it's a really tough one. It and is. you were saying that your mom um, made all the meals growing up, packed yeah. your lunches and, yeah. and stuff. So if you're comfortable talking about it, let's, yeah. let's talk about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my mom my mom was sort of the rock for our family. I mean, my dad worked and went out of town on, and came home on a weekend sometimes. You know, yeah. he... He 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 was he was a very hard worker. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to work for five kids and like to raise us and like, <laughs> you know. I mean, he's he's he was awesome. He taught me he taught me that work ethic. But my mom was the person that like um, really sort of held the family together. Yeah. Um, 
and still like my family's pretty close like we go back on holidays and 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 um you know probably like three times a year at least and they come down and visit me Mm -hmm. um but like we're trying if it weren't for my mom I don't know that that would exist you know sometimes I think about it now and I'm like man that's scary like who's gonna be that person after mom yeah you know um but she was that, that emotional labor that goes on in any family yeah yeah but she's you know she was like I, I didn't grow I didn't think that I grew up like I, I felt out of place as a chef I felt out of place mm-hmm. like you know like like all these all these people like they work for like some of the best chefs and here mm-hmm. I am like brand new working you know working at the French Laundry I didn't I didn't really you know I didn't really feel like I belonged mm-hmm. and then ultimately like years later I kind of realized like oh wait no food was actually a big part of my life yeah and food was the the reason that I'm close with my brothers and sisters is because. Mm-hmm every day we had chores to like help out in the kitchen and like you know wash the dishes set the table Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff and we sat as a family and had dinner Mm -hmm. um which is like so important i and like it's you know it's a part of it's very very much a part of my life now too with my own with my own family um but i think that time is like so so important um you know it was was, it's before cell phones before all that but it's like you're you know you're sitting around the table and you're like you're communicating. Yeah, you know, kind of sacred. Yeah, you like you, it's it's forced forced communication. Like mm-hmm. you don't you don't really realize it, but like if you don't have that, or if you're like in front of your phone, like mm-hmm. you know, you just sort of kind of go into your own world. You know, you you lose connection a little bit, and I think that that connection with my family currently um, exists because of how we were raised. Yeah, it is such a, a big thing, mm-hmm. and. And then to have a parent who, you know, you start to see the signs. Like, for my mother, it's been a really long time uh-huh. uh, coming. Like, she's been sick in various ways my entire life. And mm-hmm. for, so for decades, she was having TIAs, which is uh, these transient ischemic attacks. I think that's how it is. And, but basically, it's like mini strokes uh-huh. that turn your brain into Swiss cheese, basically. Yeah. That's a crass way to say it, but I've heard, you know, look at scans, and that's yeah. what that is. Like In addition to, like, Parkinson's Lewy body dementia yeah. kind of thing. And you see this person, I don't know what phase your mother is at, but where they're, they're slipping, yeah. and you start to see that. And, uh, you know, with my mother, there's, there's motor control uh-huh. uh, things, and being able to eat even is a challenge yeah. for her. So, yeah. if you're, again, if you're comfortable talking about it, um, you know, with with your mother um, going through this, uh, you know, you start to see it. Is she's is she still cooking? Is she what is she doing? No, I mean she's she. We've gone to, uh, I mean the the sort of stages. You know, we cook together. I would come home and like yeah. and make the holiday meals with mm-hmm. her. You know, at first it would I would like cook my own way and cook my own things yeah. and try to like do different things. Hey, and chef boy. <laughs> yeah. And then ultimately it was like, no, like, you know what my family mm. wants and what I want to eat is actually what my mom made. Yeah. You know, so now, you know, I'll go home and I'll make, I'll make Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you know, or Christmas and we'll, we'll have what my mom used to make and mm-hmm. you know, all the, all the sort of classics. And, uh, you know, I would, I would, we would cook together, you know, for, for years. And then, you know, then then she would sit on the other side of the kitchen and yeah. sit at the bar and like watch and like be like, hey mom sit down like you know yeah. i'll do it and like she'll be a part of it and now she's you know now she's not you know she might just kind of sit there blankly you yeah. know um which is really really tough but she's yeah. i'm very thankful in the sense that 
she remembers us. It's not like that's yeah. You know, that's, it's, that's... she knows my kids. She might not be able to list her kids. She might mm-hmm. be able to list my three kids, but she knows she's she's got the wherewithal. You know, mm-hmm. but she doesn't. Uh, she can't, you know, her motor skills, like you talked about, like if she, you know, yeah. if there's a plate of food in front of her and a fork and a knife, you know, it's like, you know, I take her hand and I, yeah. here's your fork, mom, you know. Yeah. Like this is, you know, this is, this is your beans, pick it up, you know, like eat it. Yeah. It's, um, it, that's a really humbling thing is feeding your parent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, with my mother, it's, you know, there's motor control things. Yeah. There's, she can't always swallow. So she's. Yeah. You know, I you know, I've been a terrible daughter and haven't been down there for a little while and stuff. So I don't know what phase it is, but um, she's somebody who, uh, because her her neck muscles, her and her throat muscles and stuff are, um, are because of her particular thing, swallowing is is really yeah. really hard. Yeah. So she has to have a certain amount of liquid things. And one of the other residents just didn't know and gave her part of a peanut butter sandwich that nearly killed her because she almost choked on yeah. it. And that's. Um, but I remember being there and she was in the hospital and like helping her like, you know, eat the applesauce or something. And you're just like, God damn, no yeah. one prepares you for that. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, my mom, like I'm a mother, I'm a mama's boy, you know, like, yeah. uh, hurry, but it's, you know, that, that, that's the hardest, it literally the, the hardest thing. Yeah. The hardest. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh. You know, and only I think only other people, um, other people who have been through this uh, know this thing because my mother doesn't always know mm-hmm. who I am. So you know, when she knows who it is and says my name, like yeah. holy shit! <coughs> I had this this moment, this really really particular, like in, when she could still go to restaurants because yeah. like her, you know, she can't she can't you know, move around really. So mm-hmm. she she's in a nursing home, and then you know, she and my dad are still together, and he mm-hmm. goes and sees her every day, and. Um, taking them to this place. There's a Southern cafeteria chain called K&W mm-hmm. and their average clientele is like 80 years old and I love it. So you know you can bring an older person and somebody with mobility issues uh-huh. there and there's a lot of soft food uh-huh. and, and all of this and you know I married a southerner uh-huh. and you know and got introduced to this particular cafeteria chain. It's so funny it's K&W people joke that it's Canes and Walkers because <laughs> you go in there and it's, it's really like a real t- thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so funny and they, it's like they will carry your, your trays for you and it's like you can feed a family of six for like 20 bucks there and uh-huh. um my my husband's mother has passed away but you know she went up there until her mid 90s and mm-hmm. it was kind of great but i was i was going to they had moved to south carolina and i took them to the k&w in their town and uh she got you know she couldn't really eat much but i remember she had gotten some like pie that looked really really good to her and like to have some bites of that and to take my parents to this place that has you know become so important to me it was yeah. such a great thing and i and i still remember like she you know said my name on that particular day so yeah. it's so like fused in there with that and you have to like grab those those moments yeah, hang on to them yeah. yeah you you really really do and, and and i don't have kids but you do so are you teaching well i guess they're really young except for like teach them her recipes and 100%. I mean, my wife makes the banana bread that my grandma <sighs> or the banana pudding that my grandma used to make and then my mom used to make. The, my One of my favorite things that my mom made as a kid and into my adult life when I would come home every single time she'd make it for me was her banana bread recipe. Yeah. Um, and now my wife makes it and my kids make mm-hmm. it with my wife and uh. I make it. You know, like it's something that I don't – it's – I mean, that's, that's what food – Food has that ability, you know, yeah. like it, like it brings you together. It like it, 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 tra- it brings you back in time. You know, mm-hmm. you think think about having that, like 
now you know if my mom comes over my wife will make it for me like for my mom it's just my mom's like my mom's like oh i used to make this and you're like yeah mom like yeah used to make it for me every time i come home yeah and it's those it's the reminding of the like Mm -hmm. saying like this is the you know this is the thing or is she a person who um like wrote down recipes do you have like cards do or like out of magazines or any of that stuff yeah and she had beautiful handwriting um god those those cards are amazing right yeah my sister actually gave me a uh i think it's from my sister but she gave me uh, my older sister gave me a um a, a towel like a kitchen towel yeah um and it had like my mom's handwriting recipe on it whoa which is like really really cool to like you know i mean it's it's special you know oh my those those things are, are really really special and like a friend of mine who um she had lost her her dad to um parkinson's and she had his handwriting like tattooed on, yeah. on her in this really special way and there's a particular um phrase that my mother said to me that really uh stuck with me and it was a moment where i I wasn't we had been afraid we were going to lose her like right then and everybody left the room and i had been feeding her something and and she said this this line to me and i'm like that'll that's gonna go it's in my body already it's gonna go on my body (laughs) at some point that i mean that's an incredible thing to have those 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 um those taste memories and yeah my little (laughs) sugar tattoos it's it's it's, i love you and it's my mom's handwriting yeah Yeah. those are those are really important things to to have and it's Mm -hmm. you know and and I don't know. It's really lovely. I, I don't know if you've encountered this or not, or if this was part of your mother's condition. This was the thing that actually I really thought was beautiful. That um, the person who was like the dietitian at the place where my mother is was talking about the dignity and uh, and food. Because uh, you don't want to be a grown up uh, eating baby food, yeah. and so many people have to. And there's been. Um, I love that there's a department at NYU that works on this too. And they, what they've been able to do is take things and probably learn a lot from like molecular gastronomy and stuff and take the, the puree and then form it back into food. So you might have like a pea puree and somebody can't digest a pea or they can't do whatever, but they reform it back into a pea. I think that's so good. That brings somebody their dignity back to eat food that looks like food. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like you're, I mean, my mom, she, she says it all the time. She's like, I'm so cuckoo. I'm so nuts. Like, you know, like, and you're like, no mom, like you're good. Like, you know, like, like, don't say that. Like, you know, but I think just the ability to be, you just, she doesn't feel normal. She doesn't feel like she fits in. She feels like, you know, people are helping her. She feels like, it's like, like, you don't want your mom to feel like that's like the worst. It's humiliating. It feels like it. And I like there. I'm I'm very very interested in the people who are doing the work to make like the utensils that are corrective. So yeah. if you have a tremor, it makes it so somebody with a tremor can hold a fork, and yeah. it's like the fork is still. Yeah, I, I think that's such an incredible thing. Yeah, and <laughs> and I mean I have more and more friends. Uh, <laughs> you get to an age, and your yeah. your friends are, are dealing with this, who are dealing with um, degenerative stuff or, or dementia or mm-hmm. whatever it is, and I feel like we're kind of the uh, you know I don't know how old are. I'm Gen X and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, but we're getting to this place where our parents are, are going through that and, yeah. you know, and like, I don't have kids, but you know, the sandwich generation, they, mm-hmm. they call it. And I really do think some of the best things you can do is to 
be the conduit of those those memories and you know neither my sister nor i have have kids but my husband has a giant family Mm -hmm. and uh he was a surprise (laughs) so his siblings are (laughs) you know his older sister is like 19 years older than Uh him so we have all these grand nieces and nephews Uh and stuff and so i've I, I've sort of made a point of I got his mother's cookbooks uh-huh. when when she died, and um, you know, we have her recipes. So we're like you know holding on to these particular recipes, and there are the things that have to happen in holidays. Yeah. And like holidays are that really particular time, yeah, where where those things happen. Yeah, uh, I mean, we made. I mean, we. I mean, I cooked. I, I said it before, but I cooked. Like literally cooked exactly what my mom made. Yeah. Um, or like now cooking for my my kids and mm-hmm. making. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm making chicken and dumplings. Like, I grew up oh, on this. You that know, is, like, <laughs> that I've learned how to make my husband's grandmother's chicken and dumplings. Yeah. And it's never going to taste exactly like hers, but yeah. we served it at our wedding. <laughs> that was really fun. That's awesome. So with your chicken and dumplings, what school of thought are the dumplings? Are they the rolled ones? Are they the drop ones? Drop. Yeah. Yeah, drop, yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, biscuits and gravy. <sighs> like, I learned to make it with my mom. Like, you know, I made... So I made is she Southern? Yeah, so we were born. Uh, I was born in Texas, so okay. you know a lot of the cooking that she did was yeah. was Southern uh, Sunday pot roast, chicken oh, yeah. and dumplings, Texas chili, like. Oh man, yeah, good, that's good stuff. That's stuff so <laughs> stuff good. that puts meat on your bones. <laughs> oh my god, I, I absolutely love this stuff. Like a good, oh, good biscuit. Like yeah. is uh, actually, do you make biscuits? I love biscuits. I make them all the time. Yeah. Uh, are you okay? What's your? Are you lard butter? Like what's your? What's your jam here? <laughs> I mean, I grew up eating Crisco, right? Mm, yeah, <laughs> so many of us did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. I do butter now. Um, mm. Lard is lard is great, but I think butter yeah. is just something I have in my fridge so like yeah. i use it um but you know i i'm even though there's a lot of different types of biscuits that are you know are quote unquote better out yeah. there i make my mom's style biscuit with like a drop biscuit and you know it's to me if i'm gonna have biscuits and yeah. gravy like i don't want a fluffy like risen biscuit i yeah. don't want like a, a soft biscuit i want like a like a sort of hard harder <laughs> kind of uh drop biscuit you know yeah. I, I i love it and it's um i don't know it's we, we, you know, you, you grow up, you eat a certain way, like you, when you, as you get older, you kind of realize that you kind of go back to like your roots. And I think it's yeah. really special. So, uh, you know, you're doing all these things, you're, and, and you're, you know, you're partnering with a, a great charitable partner with all the other <laughs> kind of stuff. What is the thing I always sort of ask it, uh, people, this is a question I ask everybody because I, I believe in saying things out loud yeah. so somebody can hear it and, yeah. and help you and maybe even help you articulate it to yourself. What is the selfish thing that you want? The selfish thing that I want? Yeah. Like in what way? Just in it can be on a great big level. It can be an end goal kind of, of, of thing because, you know, you're doing these things. You're building a life for your kids. You're taking care of your mom. You're doing all these things. What's the thing you want for you? Well, I just want my kids to be happy. I want my kids. I want to be like a good father. I want to be able to like. I want to be a proud of like how I raised them. You know, yeah. um, and it's like having kids is. It's like frightening. You know, it's like you're, like, <laughs> you're responsible for these things, and you know, like you remember like your your struggles as a kid, like yeah. your struggles, you know, growing up and trying to find a career and yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I'm lucky that I kind of fell into what I do now, but and I love it, but. Um, you know, I just I want I want them to be successful. So, for me, like a lot of my life revolves around them and mm-hmm. and their time and their upbringing. Um, you know, I would love I would love to have a ranch one day. Oh, 
You know, I mean, I, mean, I think I, I am starting one in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> You're building a compound. <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, we recently bought a house a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Um, now, and we have, like, I have a, uh, a German short-haired pointer and a Rhodesian Ridgeback, so two, mm-hmm. two giant dogs. Yeah, um, I'm a big dog person myself. <laughs> we have we have uh, seven chickens. Like, it's like, it's, and then we're, like, ten minutes from downtown. So it's, like, slowly I feel myself. I When I when I bought the house, I was like, oh, man, you know what I wanted? I, I've always wanted to have, like, fruit trees of the house whatever so i literally planted like 50 trees on the property <laughs> i'm not exaggerating that's that's gonna pay off that's that long-term kind yeah. of thing oh my god I can't. Wife's like oh congratulations you got one apple <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i i grow the worst most disgusting apples in the world like the deer around us are so happy these we call them crapples like they're <laughs> so hideous and i get like one pair a year oh. and have these like horrifying grapes that grow in upstate new york like it's god awful i actually I have like joke on Instagram. I have an ongoing Instagram joke about my disgusting fruit. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's so much fun to be terrible at something. It is. It <laughs> is. I'm like I'm not. I'm a pretty bad gardener. I'm actually getting better at it. Oh, my so wife sure. is like, "You're gonna plant a garden." Like she's like, "Who's gonna take care of it?" Like, you kill everything. You're training the children <laughs> for this. So I have a few questions that I ask everybody. Okay. Don't think about them too hard. First okay. answer that comes into your head: Have you ever cried in the walk-in? No. Have you seen other people cry in the walk-in? Yes. Why the walk-in? Uh, it's uh, you feel safe in that area. You feel safe yeah. in that zone. It's a, you know you're you're separated. I've seen people like scream and freak out. You know, <laughs> and walk in, You know, just like from frustration, just mm-hmm. walk going to walk and like literally yell. Yeah. You know, ah. Yeah, because <laughs> like, you know the sides of beef can't hear you. <laughs> like, yeah. So uh, have you cried at work though? No. Okay. Never. Never. That's just one of those those things. Like, yeah. People either they do or they don't. Really, a lot of people around the walk-in it seems I like do, yeah yeah so what is the hardest job in a restaurant oh, dishwasher <laughs> <laughs> i hear that a lot and why is that i mean i think it's a you know you're it's it's not a very i mean it sounds i don't mean it the way maybe it sounds but it's not a very respected job in the mm-hmm. sense of you know so it's a, I mean, it's a lot of work and it's normally a person that's making less money than other people yeah. and um you know they're but they're ultimately like responsible for a lot i mean and yeah. we spent a lot of money on china and glassware yeah. you know and they're and and you know they they have to go and like feed the line with the different plates and stuff like mm-hmm. that and work with everything so if you're you know if you're a chef i think uh, you you know one of the if i go to a new kitchen the first person i'm talking to is a dishwasher mm-hmm. you know i'm trying to relate to them in, in their language and show them like that we're cool and like you know that because i respect what they do yeah no I, st- I started there yeah I, th- I think that's so wonderful and that really does give you that grounding in a kitchen yeah. So um, our our my colleague Meg Soul um, is working on this series, asking chefs like, what is uh, your go to cookbook? So give me like an old like an older cookbook that you've relied on, and then something in the past couple of years that you've been like, oh yeah, this this belongs in the canon. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, Great Chefs of France mm-hmm. is one of the one cookbooks that like I've read over and over again. If I've ever seen it in like a shop or whatever, mm-hmm. I pick up the copy yeah. of it. I've I've given it to a lot of different chefs that have worked for me. Yeah, um, so that's that is probably the one. Uh, Atelier de Alain Ducasse, the French Laundry Cookbook, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, so those are kind of like my, my old school ones that I mm-hmm. used to kind of go back to over and over again. Atelier was like really inspiring to me because it, it showed Ducasse's like four chefs of, you know, that, that were, you know, basically had development to their own chefs and like, you know, running restaurants, he gave them credit. Like it was mm-hmm. like, I thought that was a really, really cool thing. Marco Pierre White, White Heat, like mm-hmm. just the culture of the, of kitchens back in that rock star sort oh, of mentality. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on about, I've, yeah, I could go on about him. <laughs> And then now, you know, I think 
um, you know, surprisingly, I would say not, not because it's not a good book, obviously, but like the the Odalini cookbook and stuff like that. I think those books yeah. are oh, it's a hell of a book, modern classic. Yeah, I think those books they they did a really really good job because I can pick it up and I can be inspired by it. Mm-hmm. I can give it to my wife or my sister, and they mm-hmm. can cook from it. Yeah, um, and I think to have it, the ability to to reach such a broad audience mm-hmm. like if i write a cookbook i want I, I want the success of that that's like a really really amazing i think the job that they did yeah definitely and um yeah that is that is a spectacular cookbook mm-hmm. um what is your comfort food comfort food i mean i love roasted chicken i love oh, potatoes right. like i'm like I, I i mean i make it i make it weekly i mean it's yeah. just something that <laughs> i cook a lot of chicken yeah, except for my wife was like she did like you know you have food food aversions or food like like things that basically don't are not appealing to you when you're pregnant and like chicken was like the <gasps> thing this this past pregnancy oh. and i was like I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, like, she like I haven't had chicken in so long. With you're like, you're, you're sneaking out of the house. What's going on here? You're like sneaking off to make chicken. Yeah. Like, somewhere. She's like, we, the smell of it makes me sick. Oh I'm my like, God. <laughs> People do get those things. What is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, the my meal at Stone Barns was pretty, oh, pretty, pretty amazing. Going there tonight, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just think it brought me to a place um, that I've been. Mean, I grew up in restaurants. I mean, it's like it's not, it's, it's hard to be inspired sometimes, yeah. you know. And you go, and it's a, it's like a lot of work to go to to a restaurant, and you're you're thinking, you're yeah. looking at service, and they're gonna all these bomb things. you too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know their philosophy and what mm-hmm. they what they do is like really, really inspiring. Yeah, it is. I I am so geeked to, yeah. <laughs> to go there tonight. Um, what's the last meal that somebody cooked for you in their home? Um, I mean, I'm very fortunate. My mother-in-law cooks. She's mm-hmm. an amazing cook. So my wife is Lebanese. Um, so she makes a lot of Middle Eastern food. Oh wow! Yeah, so she makes like one anna. But so she'll make uh, this this weekend tomorrow. Actually, she's gonna make uh, for my birthday and for my wife's sister's birthday. She's gonna make arayas. Which is like uh, she'll make. I think she'll do it with ground beef, but ground beef like onions, garlic, a little mm-hmm. chili, and like in between pita, and like they grill it on a, on an open fire, um, which is really I delicious. Come over. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my my friends will come up and be like, uh, like you have to try my mother in law's food. Like it's like so oh, delicious. That sounds so good. I mean, she's like like she makes. It's like rolled cabbage, like stuffed cabbage leaves, um, kind of like a dolma, yeah. essentially. Um, it's like one of my, literally one of my favorite things. It's like got that and like whole garlic. She steams it. You put like a ton of lemon over the top of it when you're done. I think a little dried thyme is what she puts in there as well. Um, but, you know, I, I love going and learning. Um, I told her my wife doesn't, my wife cooks, but like she cooks because I've trained her to cook, <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> but she, she like was never, you know, she never cooked. You know, her mom didn't teach her how to cook or anything like that. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, tell her mom, I'm like, you will teach my kids how to cook. <laughs> like you have to teach them these, these dishes have to live on. Yes, they absolutely <laughs> do. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Like, Oh God! I want all of this. This is amazing. <laughs> what living musician uh, who you have never cooked for before would you would you want to cook for, and what would you make for them? Living musician, because mm-hmm. otherwise everybody's like wilding out on like Prince and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, I you know what? That's a good question. I was I was asked recently that's the same question. I had I think I came up with a different answer, but I I, I would say maybe Damien Rice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's um, a good answer. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like getting into that creative mindset, yeah. I, I kind of like 
like to go to like a sad place yeah you know um so <laughs> yep. like, and i think it brings out like emotions and mm-hmm. stuff like that and so i love listening to his music i can't hear blower's daughter without weeping so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's him right? like, yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so i you know i love i love listening <laughs> listening to him so what would i make for him that's i don't know i think i would i would that's a tough question i mean he's you know i think he's english so mm-hmm. i would i'd probably I would stay away from English food because I don't love it as much. <laughs> <laughs> but I would, I think I would, I would, I would maybe make him a roast chicken. You know, yeah. I think, I think just anything, anything that you put love into, you know, I think mm-hmm. is going to resonate with somebody. I would, I would probably try to do a little bit of research about like what he liked and what he didn't like and stuff like that. I you know, that. I think anything when I when I cook for somebody, I want it, I want it to be. I think it's it's really really special if that dish that you make brings them back to another you know memory yeah. i think that like kind of really resonates and reinforces the, that that meal so if i could if i have that ability that you know i would try to take advantage of that i love that final question yeah you have five uninterrupted minutes for self-care like no phone you know the kids are safe everybody's happy what do you do take a bath <gasps> yeah what's e- your bath style epsom salt yeah, <laughs> that's very chefy of you too. That's like lets everything go and yeah. like, do you listen to music? Do you like deck out the room? I I will sometimes put like the Epsom like there's like a bubble bath ish thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually take a bath a lot with my. Um, the, they're getting a little older now, but like I took about a lot of baths with my kids. Yeah, you know, so um, I would I would go I would like you know study and be like, okay, is Epsom salt okay for kids? Whatever, yeah, yeah okay, <laughs> it's good, like whatever. So I would you know I jump in the, jump in a bath and spend time with them. Um, but yeah, I mean even even like yesterday I had time between meetings and stuff like that. I like ran a bath in the in the in the hotel and yeah. I was oh, like, yeah, oh man, they had like they had like a really nice bath and bathtub, and I was like, oh man, I gotta take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> that is so lovely, and you gotta relax because you got a restaurant to open. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So I know you're a busy man. So I'm so thankful for your time. Let's. How can people find you on social media? Um, at Chef Tim Hollingsworth okay. on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, and then okay, let's go through the list of of uh, of restaurants again. So if, if people want to come and find you, yeah, come to come to Odium in downtown LA. Um, CJ Boyd's and Free Play, um, close by USC, where mm-hmm. where uh, Bank of California Stadium is. And then I'll be up in San Francisco very soon. Your Union Square, Gary and Mason. It'll be called all these years. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank really you for having me. Thank you so much to my guests from, well, today, but also from months and months ago, uh, Tim Hollingsworth. And you can find him at timhollingsworth.com and find out everything that he is up to. His his Instagram is a truly lovely thing if you need a little bit of, of sunshine in your day. Um, and yeah, I, who couldn't use some of that right now? It's, um, you know, like I said up at the top, it's it's been a really, really challenging time for a lot of people. And I really, I can't urge you enough to, if there is somebody in your life who you want to connect with and haven't done so for a while, even if you can't do it in person, get on Zoom, get on the phone, get on something and, and eat together that way, make a meal together that way, um, connect just connect, 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 because you never know um, when you're going to get to again. I, I think we're all living in a time when we realize we can't take a whole lot of the things for granted that we did before, whether it's 
seeing a loved one, uh, going out to a restaurant that makes you smile, gather in person to make that that dish. Hey, you know that that dish that you have been meaning to get from your relative uh, for a long time now, even if you can't see this person, and especially as the holidays are coming up, consider connecting with them on a video chat or on a, on the phone or something and, and walk through it, get every step, record their voice, write it down so you so you have that. And so you can, you know, really always have that, that, that memory of making it with them. Um, these things can be lost forever. The person, the food, the, the memories and, and uh, sorry to get all maudlin, but take it all down right now because you don't know when you're going to get to again. Um, and as for the restaurant part of it, I do have hope um, with people like Tim, who has you know, given his life over to uh, to restaurants and serving people and making this kind of food. There's no way that he won't come out of this with with some kind of new perspective and and you know way of feeding people and you know he is he is one of thousands and thousands and thousands of of chefs and restaurateurs out there who are trying to figure it out and i have to have full faith that they will and these are the conversations that we're having with people all the time on food and wine pro which i mentioned at the top that is the section of food and wine that in in print and in on the website at uh, foodandwine.com slash FW pro. And uh, when we are all allowed to assemble in person again, it is also in person events where we're really drilling down on the things that are important to the people who actually work in this industry that we love so much. Um, we get into the nitty gritty of it, what people are doing business-wise, mental health-wise, uh, you know, to uh, physically in terms of safety and safety in all the different ways that that means, um, what they're doing with their finances, what they're doing with their business plans, what they're doing to uh, keep themselves and their employees safe and their customers uh, safe during this uh, pandemic. So please take a look at that and sign up for the newsletter, which comes out on Fridays at noon, written by our editor-in-chief, Hunter Lewis, with an assist from me and from our associate restaurant editor, Osette Babur, with a special mantra uh, from the Test Kitchen's amazing Kelsey Youngman, who is a certified meditation instructor. We include her words of wisdom in there every week, along with exclusive interviews and links uh, to all the stories that we've done and that we have seen around the web about what is going on in the industry. Sign up and it'll just show up for you there. It's just going to be there for you. Um, and we appreciate your eyes and your ears on this. Um, you know what? I really like doing this podcast. It's really helped keep me connected during this time. And I want to thank Antara Sinha for being our incredible new producer on this show and uh, putting up with my wobbliness over the past few months as we've been trying to figure out how to navigate these times and record this uh, remotely. Um, <laughs> got a new microphone this week. Hopefully that will help some. Thank you, Antara. Thank you to Sarah Crowder for always pulling together the images for this. 
thank you to the whole Food in One team for letting us do this. And uh, you know what? If you like listening to this podcast, we um, it really helps people find us. If you like it on on you know if you like it, share those stars, drop a drop a review, um, send the link to someone and share it with them as well, so we can spread the word, pop up in those search results, and keep on doing this thing that we really love to do. And you know what? If there's somebody who you think that we should be hearing from, who you think would be uh, you know. Just just has a really great perspective and who you would like to see or rather here on this podcast, I'm easy to find. I'm cat.kinsman at foodandwine.com. I am kitten with a whip on Twitter and just hit me up. Let me know who you think has a really special voice and who we should be listening to. Most importantly, I say this every podcast, but I really, really especially mean it now. Take good care of yourself. Until the next time.